metally, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Put that in your vape and, and smoke it, I guess. Yeah, it's Morning Combat, guys. It's Friday. It's March 3rd, 2023. 24 hours or so out from UFC 285 in Las Vegas, the return of John Jones, and my name is Brian Campbell, to hit the final touches to get you all kinds of fired up here on this award-winning combat sports show. And my partner, of course, dressed in all things MK, dread, aging. He's a great guy, though, okay? He's, you know, arguably, arguably the best fight analyst in the game today among male or females who have never publicly fought. His name is Luke Thomas. Yes, yes, there he is. There he is. It's great to see you. Luke, I'm What's washed. Up? I'm, I'm really washed. Why, why, right? why don't you tell the folks what happened to you? You know, I, I did one of those awesome, like, get together with the high school friends last night, play cards, drink some pints. Eat some wings, you know, Bogo, Easy Ed, Corvino, A-Rod, the whole group. But, um, you know, my body, Luke, it's it's no longer a wonderland. It's actually a, a decrepit, you know, in terms of, it turn, if we can see, if we can compare it to a theme park, it's like that Neverland theme park that Michael Jackson had, Luke, but probably without like all the child slander and all that, but just like, you know, run down, decrepit. So, you know, speaking of MJ, I had to look at that man in the mirror this morning and, um. I had to ask him to change his ways, Luke, because uh, I can't. I can't do this shit anymore. You know what I mean? Can't did you it. dangle some infants off of a balcony? Yeah, blanket. No, I did not. Did not do that. But you know, had a couple beers, won a couple setback hands. You know, had a bad four four bid that my friends won't let me do over on. But look, you ever hang out with people from your life anymore? I mean, I don't. I don't see you meeting up at Big Chicken three times a year with the old crew. You know? No, the way my life works, uh, I just don't have a lot of time. Candidly. Uh, I was I'm I'm supposed to go to uh, an event with some friends next week, but I'm trying to figure out how that's going to go with some work responsibilities next week. So yeah, I mean I don't get a lot oh, of yeah. time with with friends. Dude, this job, Luke, will wear you out like a two dollar <laughs> whore, right? I mean, Dude, it will, but it's but the glory, right? The glory and the it's riches. A, listen, wow, it's a great job, but it will own your life. It will it absolutely will. It own will. your life. Luckily for me, Luke, it's my dream job. How about you? You know? Yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, the thing is, I'm sitting here bitching. What else would I be wanting to do? Like, you know, yeah. so we'll figure angrily it out. Angrily we'll complaining it out. or, you know, trying to figure I'd, out. I'd be yeah. angrily complaining no matter where I was. So I'm no just No matter it. where. Uh, nice shout out to the people that support us, of course. CBS Sports Malka, Showtime, right? Uh, 30, 30 days of Showtime would be a great time right now. Why? Showtime Championship Boxing back with a bang tomorrow night in Southern California. Bellator MMA, I believe, ne- Luke, is that next week? Bellator San Jose with the- Friday. Friday, next Friday. Next yep. Friday. So get get your 30 days free right now. Get the show box. Get the, get Usman, the Cosby Doc. Uh lightweight Grand Prix next week. It's gonna be a good one. Oh, yeah. And don't forget on that undercard, Luke. Davletan Yagshamuradov versus Julius Anglichkis. That's gonna no. be a war, and nobody wants it, to talk about it. Uh this right? accent is terrible. You say it terrible is Dovletan Yagshimuridov. Yes. yes, yes. My wife uh uh has <laughs> Sorry, look, sorry, look, derailed myself there. Uh, also, Mikey Mormile from CBS Sports on the ones and twos on this beautiful Friday. Look, I feel like the winter, 
that was that was barely hair. I can't complain, right? This was a this was a tame winter, and I and, but I feel like it's it's almost done. It's 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 almost over, Luke. A couple more yeah, snowstorms, maybe. We have we've had like half an inch of snow all year. Dude, when I was a kid, it snow. I mean, it didn't snow here like Detroit or something, but it used to snow here oh, pretty yeah. regularly. My friends used to. This is a true story. Back in the day, you couldn't do it anymore. But back in the day, there is a there's a essentially like this public. It's not a pool, but it's just a like reflecting pond. Not the reflecting pond, but it's another one behind the Senate building. When I was a kid, you could go on there because it was ice so often. You'd see kids playing hockey games out there. It hasn't been iced. I don't. I think no. one day the whole winter. So it's no. kind of crazy. Yeah, the, if you need ice, you got to go to Hawaii, right? Follow around Dog the Bounty Hunter to find some people <laughs> on a beach hiding under a tent or something. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but, Luke, I won't complain because normally I'm th- at this time of the winter I'm using. My wife bought me one of those sunlight things, Luke. You plug it in and it produces fake sunlight and you put it up to your face for a half hour. It actually works. Uh, I've You know what? So there's a guy who's like this like big-time CrossFit dude who is uh, – I forget his name, but he's won the championship like a bunch of times. And his alarm is uh, a big giant light bulb that doesn't make any noise, but when it like to, for the alarm to turn on, it slowly turns the color of the sun that time of day. So what if it's whatever it is, whatever whenever sunrise is, it it matches that that same look directly when it when it uh, wakes him up. He says it, it, it's more of a natural wake up. That's, that's interesting because you know it does help the seasonal depression to get that punch in the face of sunlight but it hasn't been that gray this winter happy to be almost done with it and luke thomas i'd happy to wear this fantastic merch i got right here are you seeing this hat are you seeing mm-hmm. that shirt you're wearing look at this shirt right here mk on the too. chest okay. right, here. right yeah, over the heart one. yep you could be having that on your skin right now if you head on over to morningcombat.store Bomber jackets, drug rugs, whatever you need. Okay, bibs for the kids. We got that too, all right? Underwear with Luke's face near the Grundle packet. Yeah, Luke, we got that too. I saw I saw David Appleton wearing that over the jeans, right? Yeah, like a true Well, that was, I think, I mean, was he, was that a fashion choice or a cry for help? One never knows, yeah, that's, you know? Yeah, it's probably, probably both in that regard. Uh, I think we got to sell something here. Luke, I did want to remind people that it's March now. It's March 3rd, right? I mean, Luke, yesterday, wasn't uh, two days ago the 50th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon, by the way? What do you think about that? How the fuck would I know? Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. I forgot we don't like rock and roll. We only like Death Hog metal. Yeah. All right. Death uh, Hog? Death Hog. Uh, I'll tell you that March Madness, it's not only just around the corner, Luke. It's only 11 days away. In the CBS Sports HQ Bracket Challenge, well, it's back, okay? And it might even be back with a bang. If you scan that QR code on the screen or check the YouTube description of this show for the invitation to compete against your favorite HQ personalities, you want to try to gain bragging rights over our guy, Double T, Tommy Tran? No? Do you? Do you want to have hair like Tommy T? You can't. You want to see what kind of bracket Bellator commentator AG2 Amanda Guerra made, Luke? How about, uh, who else we got in there? Chris Hassel? Jenny Dell? Who else do you want to compete against? We might even be able to force you, Luke, into filling out a bracket, but you've got to sign up to see. Hit that QR code. Join the CBS Sports Bracket Challenge. Luke, I ask you this every year, but what's your favorite uh, March Madness moment that you watched with your own eyes where you were like, damn, I'm caught up in the nostalgia? 
in the moment. Well, more recently, it's been when I've taken the remote and changed the channel. Oh, um, oh, wow, dude. There, you're going to get a call from programming. That's for sure, no, Luke. My, prof my professional uh, opinion through work is that March Madness is great. My personal opinion, which I'll keep to myself, oh, but I'll say out loud at the same time, is that college basketball is uh, unwatchable. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know what, Luke? There was a time, okay? You remember Christian Leitner in the final eight in 92, right? After Tony yeah. Woods banked in that You know what? I, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the same answer I always give. I remember when George Mason made the final four around here. I, those yes. are big doings big doings jim larinaga big big win over yukon and look i'm the rare yukon hater in the state of connecticut so this oh, will, oh yeah i've I had to take it on the chin that. a few I times didn't know that. remember when ray allen hit that ridiculous shot in the 96 Big East tournament final yeah. against iverson yeah i took it i took it like a uh like a man of the high seas luke that day yep the, you know and in, uh, what Ooh, I mean, were you, like a, were you like a UMass Marcus Camby guy? Who are you? No, no, I was a Georgetown guy. I was a Georgetown because you're a Georgetown yeah, guy. I was, you know, Luke, what, 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 because I'm white, I can't be. Is that what that was? That no, going, it's Luke? just, it's just surprising. Uh, God, dude, that program has fallen so far. It's not even, it's just, uh, are you blaming Patrick sad. Ewing right now? Yeah, dude, he's a terrible coach. Yeah, oh. like Nick's legend, terrible coach. Awful. Georgetown legend, yeah. Yeah, Georgetown legend as well. Yes, he is. Uh, thank you. Please uh, like and subscribe. And just a reminder, one more time, we've been hitting it hard all week. No, we didn't give you the resume review, Luke. Maybe you know, maybe we could admit we should have had a John Jones resume review. Yeah, we did. So we we definitely talked about it. it we just couldn't get it scheduled in time. Yeah. But John did say he was going to give us at least two fights. So the plan is for the next one. Okay. Okay. And, and, and we want, we want to do it right. We don't want to just mail it in and we want to do it exactly. in person. Obviously that's a tough one. To, we hit you, you, with can't, you can't, you can't like, sorry, I'm just going to say you can't like just do that one quickly. It's no, you no, know. you gotta, you gotta wine and dine it. Right. Luke, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yep. Uh, here's the deal though. If you go to youtube.com slash morning combat right now, you can get our pregame preview with Chuck Mindenhall. Our uh, room service diaries episode with Michael Venom page that I'm telling you, if you don't think you're going to enjoy that, Take the, take the plunge, right? Take the taste test. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it a lot. Arnold Allen as well. We got great interviews with Valentina Shevchenko heading into this weekend. Brandon Figueroa, who's headlining Saturday Showtime Boxing Card. And obviously our colleague at CBS Sports, Shaquille Missouri. If you go to his Shaq MMA channel there on YouTube, you'll find fantastic interviews setting the stage for this weekend. Luke, speaking of this weekend, I told Mikey I wouldn't raise my voice out of nowhere to F with the levels. And F with people's air hole to jar them, Luke. But sometimes I got to wake people up. People always say, BC, why do you say Luke's name 58 times a show? You know, there's people that count that, Luke. They count it. Well, I say it because Luke, you know, he loses focus quickly. And I'm used to people turning me off, Luke. Not canceling me. Okay, that happened once. Turning me off, Luke, okay? We're but not, we're not, we're not famous enough off. to be canceled. Oh, my God. I got hearing issues. Say that again, Luke. We're not famous enough to be canceled. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Luke, I will say this. Something's coming. And it's BC in our weekly challenge titled, Okay, Bet? Bitch? Oh, shit. Oh, okay, shit. Bet. Look at those graphics, dude. Those are straight out of 1984, and I'm here for it, all right? I love it. I love it. I love it. The updated standings. Last week, BC went four and one, as we talked about on Monday. Luke went two and three. So I didn't cut the lead in half like I bragged, Luke, but I did cut it by two. So it's 15 and nine for Luke 
9 and 15 for BC. I'm down by six, but I'm going to make a prediction, Luke. This week, I'm going to take three points back from you in our five on five showdown. Before we get into the picks, though, Luke, let's sweep up what's left ahead of UFC 285 the last few days. It, of course, is this Saturday pay per view, T Mobile Arena, John Jones and Cyril gone for the vacant heavyweight championship in the main event. Valentina Shevchenko looking to extend her title defense record on the female side to eight when she welcomes Alexa Grasso at flyweight. Luke Thomas, we've seen more of John Jones in the last 48 to, to 72 hours, right? If you've been watching all the embeddeds, the countdown, John Jones's media day, the press conference from yesterday, the multiple interviews John's been doing. This is the most, this is the biggest close-up we've had in three years with him consistently. What is your biggest takeaway? Uh, in terms of Bones being back, his his demeanor, all of that coming into Saturday? I don't detect too much of anything. I, I don't get any kind of strange or otherwise unusual read from him. Um, that's not to say that I pay close attention to what he says, because I think he just says a lot of nonsense and it's hard to know what's genuine and what's not. I mean, it's not to say that all of it is nonsense, but it's hard to, uh, you know, disentangle the wheat from the chaff here. So I, I, I'm not sure what to say about that, but in terms of his energy, in terms of like also how the crowds um, have received him, I think how the media has received him. I think he's generally speaking, extremely happy to be back. I think he feels like this is the right time. He seems to know that, I mean, listen, here's the whole thing. I'll say the difference between gone and John this week is, John just seems a little bit more purposeful with everything this week. And gone seems a little bit more, you know, a little bit more along for the ride um, uh, in terms of his demeanor versus John. I think this means more to John than it does to gone. Um, and I, I think you're getting a little bit of that, but in terms of anything else, wildly unusual outside of what John typically does in a fight week, again, there's no other distractions that we're aware of in terms of anti-doping or any kind of legal issues. It seems relatively straightforward in that sense. So to me, it's like, here's a very experienced guy right back in the swing of things. He looks to have settled into a groove. Yeah, ready for Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I felt like he's been... Now, look, to, to, to hit the topic that you kind of tease off the top, he doesn't necessarily deserve our, our trust or benefit of the doubt in terms of his emotions because in the past we've seen him endure usually self-induced troubles, come back after a, a some some level of a long layoff, and then say everything's fine and he's a you know a new person. I think at this point you have to take that with a grain of salt. But I will tell you that John seems happy. He seems humbled to a certain degree. He seems certainly motivated. I was surprised, Luke. Uh, I'm not fully surprised because I, I've, I've been keeping up the analysis of the, the Teflon John thing, meaning I feel like not only has he been able to sidestep huge danger deftly throughout his career, which means close fights, they always go his way. Uh, potential suspensions that can derail him, he gets the benefit of the doubt because he's a star, right? Even with the law, you would think with this many transgressions, he may have you know, had to do some time, nothing like that. Also with the fan perception, Luke, I was a little surprised to feel it, but not surprised, I guess, overall, that the fans were just happy to have him back. And that seems to always be the default, no matter what John Jones does, good, bad, or indifferent. They want him to be great. Maybe it's just, you know, they 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 love. What do you think about this? Because there were some, you know, while while John was straight up asked on media day by Mike Bone to address the the uh, the February two thousand twenty one. I'm sorry, September two thousand twenty one incident at the Hall of Fame, Las Vegas. John, you know, accused of uh, striking his partner in front of his children, the the headbutting the police car, all that stuff. 
he said no comment and he moved on. But John did address the issues that are ongoing in his life in a more general statement. And I know if you're cynical against John, you could which, see him which, get very- which, which you should be. You should be very should be. cynical. You can certainly get very pious, you know, to the whole idea of how he's talking about. And of course, you know, he's a practicing Christian and, and that's a big part of his analysis in terms of how he's been able to, to get back to this point and all that. But he is talking very openly about wanting to be an example for others through Christ that you can slip up and come back. And I see your dismissive hand already, but Luke, he seems to believe that the public, when asked to sort of, you know, take hold of what he's felt from the fans since coming back, he believes the public like wants him to put it all back together. Like, like this, you know, this ingrained American romanticism to the second chance. Now, John's way past the second chance, right? But do you feel that's where the fans are at? They know he's great. They want him to fulfill the greatness and they're cheering for him to put it all back together because that's that's the American way. They love to cheer for John's demise and they love to cheer for John's ascension. What they love from John is the drama. They love his self-immolation, right? When uh, he's testing positive. Uh, I, I remember, BC, I don't know where you... Did you go to UFC 200? Oh, yeah. I was sitting right there with you in the front row when the... That's right, yeah. Hand, what was that lady's name? The handler? What was her name? I, I forget off? her name, but he was the sitting fixer. next to Malky. Uh, yeah, I yeah, forget her name, but he was sitting next to Mulkey. But I remember I had taken a flight that Wednesday, and I was landing, and I turned my phone back on. That's back when you you did all that. And I turned my phone back on, and then the first message I get is from my producer, who was who was already there. And then the news had broke that that John had tested positive and was likely off the card or whatever the news. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I haven't even landed off the off the flight yet. I mean, listen, yeah. here's my thing. BC, you know I'm not a religious person, but in all sincerity, I have seen people moved uh, by religious conviction. And these are very imperfect people. And I don't know what journey John's on. Maybe he is them, on Luke. that. I'm yeah, one of fair enough. I, okay. And I, and I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen what it does to people when it actually matters to them. And I don't know that it doesn't matter to John, but here's what I do know. I've seen the, uh, you know, you got to love a sinner. I'm trying my best. I'm looking for redemption. I'm just trying to be a good guy. I've seen that act from him so many times so i don't know if this version of it is real but i'm going to be skeptical and just wait because there's simply no way to tell at this point if there's yeah. even an iota of sincerity to it could be could not be i'm just gonna i'm watching him as a competitor this weekend and nothing else all right well you did watch the press conference so mix that with all of the other pre-fight stuff you've watched i wanted to get this your answer to this i mentioned it on wednesday that john has been very openly dismissive of Gon's game. Now, I don't think it's blindly dismissive per se, because John is usually framing it through the idea of him being a student of the game, which he is very coachable, has all those intangible qualities. We talked about it and he has broken down film ad nauseum. He says, and he's, he'll tell you, he'll tell you point by point navigation. In fact, as to why Gon doesn't stack up against him. Is there any element of that that makes you a little nervous? Because if you did watch the presser, dude, when that he was asked that question about, you know, Gon not being a, a complete fighter, I mean, he gave us like a like a you know six minute breakdown of why is John almost showing too much of his cards in an overconfident way, or is what he's saying actually straight on and right? I think most of what he's saying has been pretty good. There's been some stuff that's been crazy, like uh, which he didn't necessarily get into as much at the, at the presser, but like previously when he said. Tiago Santos is the most technical striker I've ever fought, uh, and more is more technical than Cyril Gaon. It's like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not even remotely true. Um, that's not 
that's just bizarre to even think. Uh, I mean, they're different fighters for sure, uh, but Gon is significantly more accomplished in pure striking arts and fights completely different and is going to be a much, much different challenge than Tiago Santos ever was, which is to say that Tiago Santos isn't devastating. But yeah, dude, John, like, dude, I mean, this is the thing, man. John has high fight IQ. You know, he does. John watches tape. John's coaches watch tape. John and his coaches watch tape together. They cross every T. They dot every I. I think one thing he has said that has made sense is that, like, you know, he understands the contours of fight week. He understands what it takes to get to this position. He understands what it takes to win. He understands what it takes to beat the best guys in the world in the fourth and fifth rounds when you're tired and you're hurt and you might be down on the cards and everything else. Like, he understands what those requirements look like in a way that Cyril Gaon probably doesn't. Cyril Gaon, I think you can say he might be capable of beating John Jones, and I have tweeted some cases about guys who are making very good arguments for him. And there is, by the way, a very good argument for Cyril Gaon, but I, I, I also simultaneously understand John's point. Like, listen, this guy's very athletic and he's got some skills, but he has coasted to this point. He's kind of gotten away with a lot of shit he shouldn't have gotten away with. And in short, what John has said is, I've audited you. I've audited you. I know exactly which way you're going to go. I know exactly what you're going to be up to. It's going to take me a little bit of time to figure it out. But, it, the, you know, in his mind, I think the end is inevitable. Dude, John's diagnostic abilities of his opponents is generally very, very good. And his game plan is probably going to be very, very good. It's going to be up to Cyril Gaunt to be better and disrupt it. Yeah, we're, <clears throat> we're right around the corner from getting right into that to kick off OK Bet. But I did want to say on the flip side, Cyril Gonsi. Well, let me, on, let me pitch it right back to you very quickly. What did you make of his assessment at the presser yesterday? Uh, brilliant, right? And like you said, right on, you know, board. I mean, it's it, sometimes I, I got a little nervous because it's going, it's going very aggressive in the direction of not being rudely dismissive, but just being like, look, I've seen the best of this guy. He's not as young as you people think. He's not as dynamic and athletic as you people think. Like, I've seen him before. I know how to beat this guy. And you know what? He may be right at the end of the day. I just don't think I've ever seen John that outwardly dismissive. So it made me start to wonder, is there any element of this that he's talking himself into it? I think if you take totality of all the footage we got of John, you know, during camp and, and during this week, that would be no. And John's too much of a gamer. But Luke, this is the longest layoff of his career by far, even though he has built a consistency in the second half of being away for a year for USADA suspensions, two years, what have you. Uh, ultimately, I'm not worried about that, but I did think it was interesting because when things happen, when fights go in the direction you didn't think coming in, whether or not you thought Ronda Rousey was going to lose against Amanda Nunes, for example, in that fight, I don't think any of us thought it was going to go exactly like that. Complete train wreck. First time she was touched. Then you start going in hindsight about the way she acted. Same thing with the Holly Holm fight, right? You go back to that weigh-in when she was like manic, aggressive, just trying to like create some kind of tension to motivate herself. I don't think any of that is like that with John. But there is part of me that goes, does he not realize that, that, uh, that look, let's get to the central tension, Luke. The central tension of this fight is John's wrestling ability and Cyril Gans or, or Cyril Gan or surreal gain. gain by the way he has called him serial gain the entire week and i want everyone to know it's quite clearly intentional right well you mean like how george bush the 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 older one used to say saddam hussein perfect uh, purposely in all the uh state of the unions luke maybe or how i said uh, i don't Brasso. know because that wasn't quite as intentional but Brasso. also negligent. well if, 
if you listen to John closely, he was using the word, you know, some people get hung up on a word, Luke, like narrative or, or, uh, or, you know, stuff like that. And John was hung up on the word surreal, but it was screwing him up because he was calling gone serial oh, up to that yeah. point but once he was working in surreal a lot about how he felt then gone became that at the end of the day but look if the central tension is wrestling and how gone responds and what we saw two fights ago in the francis and ganu fight i want to m- merge this with how i was leading you in which is we're talking so much about john rightfully so heading into this fight not a ton of talk about Cyril gone but i will say he looks ready playful focused it's his personality i know john kind of called him out for being oh look at his you know team he's playing video games his coach is in a suit you know they, they don't you know they're acting like they haven't been here before but the thing is he has been there before he did headline a pay-per-view and win an interim title against Derek lewis he did fight francis for the full title although he came up empty in in regards to the central tension of wrestling gone might not be 23 like we try to act but he's 32 he only has 11 pro fights and he's openly admitting at the press conference, like, I didn't train for wrestling at all against Ngannou. And looking back, Luke, I was the only one that could have told him maybe he should, it seems like, in hindsight, right? But Francis is really strong. May not have the same technique as John. May not have the same experience, all of that. You got to believe he's going to he's gonna show improvement of that. If he's a true student of the game, Gon always comes in in top-level shape. I just have to believe, Luke, that it's not going to look the same way it did, you know, a year and a half ago in that Ngannou fight. It's got to be different. So sure. in that regard, John's got to be prepared for the idea in my mind if if wrestling is is not a consistent grab for him in this, if Gon's able to shut that door, is he ready to outpoint a different kind of chess master? Now, uh, you know, that that's my question here, Luke. And do, do you think Cyril Gon is going to surprise us in his ability now that he's got a year plus to, to, to grind at it to show us better wrestling takedown defense. He didn't have to show that against Tui. Well, I mean, I'm just sort of a question of point of order here. Aren't we going to get to this in our OK Bet main event breakdown? Well, that's what we're sliding into right now, Luke, but I did want to hit you up with, you know, with, with a with an well, early I'll, entry. I'll save that part for the breakdown itself. All right, Luke, we'll put that on the back burner. Guess what, Luke? It's time for the breakdown itself, Luke. And our first number one in our five picks up against each other in OK Bet takes us, of course, to the biggest main event of the weekend, which is this. Right now, the folks at Caesars, minus 175, John Jones, your favorite, plus 150, Cyril Gon, the underdog. Luke Thomas, are you going first or second and breaking down this pick? I'll go second. All right. Let's start off at the top, Luke. Um, I've been a John Jones guy at heavyweight forever, back to when he was first teasing it 10 years ago. I always thought he'd make the debut against Brock. It almost happened. Even could have happened a couple of years ago. It didn't happen here. But here we are. I always believed that when John got here, it would be easier than we expected due to the size difference. But a lot has changed. The three years off, the evolution of the division. He's not coming back against a hulking slugger. He's coming back against somebody that I don't think you can prepare for because there's really never been someone exactly like him this elite in the heavyweight division. Somebody who combines a lot of the speed that John is rightfully bragging about that he dealt with that light heavyweight and dealt with it deftly. But this is the closest reach advantage John will ever have at three and a half inches. And we know how big that is to his game. And I just think, Luke, when you mix in together the bulk of the weight he's putting on, mixed with three years off in a new division, 
mixed with if Cyril Gahn is unable to keep his back off the canvas consistently, and once he's there, unable to get up quickly and absorb ground and pound, this is obviously going to be a big John Jones return and a huge announcement of what he is at heavyweight. But I just don't think it's going to be that easy. I do think we're heading into another five-round close decision, some level of dispute in terms of who you thought won, whether you like the the overall striking of Gon, let, let's try to imagine, mixed with John's counter-striking and, and the effects of takedowns. But I just think we're going to see a different Cyril Gon now that this had to be the focus coming in. Are we are we guessing that this that this fighter can't add that type of resistance to his game? Not saying John won't take him down. Not saying John won't have some levels of success. But I think it's going to take John a little bit longer to make the full adjustments to this type of opponent that I think will inevitably make this a closer fight. And I think when we go to the cards, it's going to be one of those, how do you like it? But Luke, I think Cyril Gon's going to show him something different with the footwork in terms of being able to use it defensively to get out of range and then get back in that we're look, going to be looking at a very close competitive fight. And in that regard, I do like the younger, fresher fighter who's had an opportunity to learn of late from the biggest things holding him back. And I think, I think Luke, the tie to Ivasa experience will ultimately embolden him even more. I mentioned it on Wednesday. They didn't. They went in there with the intent on having exactly that type of fight that they had. He got to taste some of these experiences that he hadn't because he had been so dominant in all his wins or had that weird fight with Ngannou where he wasn't able to really establish himself. I think this is a new Cyril Gan, and it's not like outside of Amanda Nunes knocking out Cyborg, we've seen people consistently have success doing just this. A champion at one division moving up and trying for one above him. It's happened before, sure. But I think recent history, it's it's just not easy. John's got a lot going against him here. He is the ultimate gamer. You may score it for him at the end of the day on Saturday, Luke. But I think Cyril Gon's headed for a decision win here. It's not going to send John away. It's going to send him back to the drawing board to refocus. And you know what? He may one day hold this heavyweight championship. We could be looking at a series here. But I think the way things plan out, I'm kicking off OK Bet with my pick. Taking the underdog, Cyril Gon. Mm. I got a feeling. Mm. It could be indigestion, Luke. Could be Could a be. liver failure, but I got a feeling right now. I'll say this. I'll just put my cards on the table. I struggled with this one more than I've struggled with one in a long time. And I struggled with Makachev and, and Volk too. But in the end, I felt reasonably-ish confident about, about Mach. I mean, that's even that's... I felt more confident about that than I do about what I'm about to pick. I want to say that I think there's a lot of people who feel very confident in one direction, and I really don't know what that's based off of. This is extremely unknown. When I've said it before, we go into fight week all the time, all the time with unknown variables, but rarely like this, rarely with a guy who has been off with all of these questions we have to ask. Although I will say this week, BC, the questions about his family and everything else, not that that's always the most pertinent, but it plays a, a role. It's been very subdued. It's been very subdued. Like we, there's not been swirling controversy on Nobody's top of pushing John. him. Nobody's right. challenging this time, him. Well, but also like John is to what we know, not fucking around. Like he's yeah. just there for this. And so it's kind of quieted that in addition to the distance and everything else to the media obsequiousness. Um, so I just don't feel good about my pick today, but I had to go in the direction I'm going to go. Uh, despite all the questions in either scenario, it just comes down to this. I'm going to go John Jones. I'm going to give him a slight benefit of the doubt. And the reason why I'm going to do that is it's not that I don't have my doubts about the time off. You know I do. 
It's not that I don't have my doubts about the decline in his performance over time at light heavyweight. You know I do. But I've seen enough guys come back from layoffs where they looked bad at the end. St. Pierre, in particular, Couture. Um, Couture looked bad when he left, and then he comes back and he ices Tim Sylvia, or at least you know whips his ass for five rounds anyway. And um, gone training part-time is a big problem for me. Gone, I, sh- I am certain, is going to have much better wrestling this time. And John striking at distance, I think, is going to suffer big time here. I think I think as long as this fight is on the feet, over time, he probably loses it. So I think it's really going to be clinch, takedown, or it's going to get nothing done. But John is a fucking gamer, man. He is an all-time competitor. <clears throat> I do think that the time off is going to give him a, a boost, at least as he begins his heavyweight campaign. I think you will be able to get enough takedowns to win. It's either going to be batshit crazy or it's going to be slow and methodical. And John might look a little human. Actually, he'll probably look a lot human along the way. But that amount of experience and I think that presumed differential in skill should be enough of a difference. It's it's the it's the coin flip if there ever has been one, but it came up heads for but John Jones. Doesn't this feel like a three-two fight either way, three rounds to two? It feels sure like does. that potential. And I think sure the reason does. for me why I really believe that and believe Gon will get his hand raised is Luke John will adjust, and I think he's going to fall down a little bit early in terms of the the scoring, the perceived scoring. He's going to come back. John's saying absolute gamer. He's going to figure it out. I just think the added bulk. And I think, look, he's going to try a re- re- very wrestling intensive style. Look, that's not a style he's employed for a long time in the UFC. Okay. For a long time. The tail end of his light heavyweight reign was, you know, counter striker from the outside mixed with the guy who starts going downhill and breaks you down with the kicks to the legs and the striking. I think Gon's movement on the feet is going to make John have to, it's going to lower his output but it's also going to make him have to chase a little. And I think when he does chase, he's going to have success getting takedowns. But I question with that added bulk, whether he can be the same guy cardio-wise. Not going to have cardio that's going to fall apart. I think he's going to get to a point where he's got to manage that cardio and and save some for the end of this fight. You'll see him make it close. But, Luke, it comes down to this. When have we also seen Saragon have takedown issues outside of the Nganu fight, which, again, was a surprise, desperate tactic mixed with an incredibly strong yeah. individual. I'm not discounting John's strength at six foot five or six foot four here. Look, he is not coming in thin, jacked, and cut up. He is coming in heavy and ready. Bulky, yeah. But like something has to give when you move up and wait and challenge the champion. It hasn't befallen everybody. Conor McGregor stepped up and took care of Eddie, right? Cyborg got stopped by Nunes. It happens here. But this is the largest leap you make in terms of weight difference, which adds certain elements and challenges here. Day one of being a jacked heavyweight, and I don't care how hard you train, day one of being a jacked heavyweight, he's now going to employ a wrestling-heavy style and a five-round title fight against an incredibly great athlete. Look, to have success, he's going to tax himself out of it. He's going to bring down the the overall upper bound level of what he can do cardio wise in a five round fight he's gonna have to balance and manage that so look he may have some success on takedowns but if gone can stuff some and make him have to work for it there's gonna come a point where john's gonna risk the 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 risk you know weigh the risk reward is what i'm trying to say and go let's try to point fight from the outside and that may lead him luke with the judges going the other way in a close fight 
I think I think that's a very plausible scenario. I think you're right. Again, if he can't get the takedown, I don't think he can win. I mean, maybe if he can get to the clinch and do some damage there or something. But if he, you know, if the takedown isn't there, John's chances plummet. But the problem for me is this, man. I've never been all that impressed with Gon's grappling ever, like ever. Uh, you're asked like who took him down before. Well, who's who was really trying that had any ability whatsoever? And I know what you're gonna say. Well, John's ability declined. Yeah, fair enough. But like even then, John is better than anyone else who ever tried to take him down before Francis. And more to the point, I go back to it again, sitting for the ankle. He's got other heel hook attempts that were kind of weird against guys who didn't know what they were doing. I've never been impressed with Gon's ground game. It's his stand-up game and everything else and his timing and his movement. Like that to me is like the idea that he's better on the feet than John seems to me like quite obvious, right? I mean, I'd just be very hard. I'd be shocked if he doesn't get the better of him on the feet. Uh, but the problem is, man, I just don't trust someone who had a year to get better and then told me they half-assed it and their last opponent was nothing like John Jones in terms of what kind of threat that they offered. I don't, I don't. I don't trust that. If he was really one of these guys who was nose to the grindstone, like if this was Francis, I'd be picking Francis. You know, it's but it's not. And yeah, gone. But like, are we going to say? On, that let me just let me just articulate. Let me just articulate my worldview. My worldview is that gone has too much of a gap to make up and hasn't put in the work to make that up. I think. Yeah, I mean, look, if you if you have the evidence of his comments, if you take them at face value, then I understand the fuel that you have to make that argument. I just can't. I'm not saying Gone is an all timer. We don't know that. I'm just saying I can't see this guy lose the way he did on the highest level against Ngano, to some degree almost embarrassing, right? A guy with with a blown out knee who's trying to take you down and isn't even trying to use you know most of his menacing strength because he's surviving and you couldn't come over the top. That's a wake up call. So. He's either going in the wrong direction if you're nervous at what the Tuivasa brawl represented. He got caught by a guy that he shouldn't have. No, no, no. Probably should have no, no, been no, able no. To not, not, no, no, no. Not nervous about that. Not, again, on the feet, dude, we no, agree, no, I'm right? Saying, like, if you're cynical better. in that regard, you can take that lane, and I get it. But I just, I, I can't see him. But I'm not. Not real. Like, you're fighting John. You're fighting the greatest of all time in your second chance to win the championship a little over a year after you failed miserably. There's, If you don't have pride to put in that work and get better – then you don't belong here. We're going to, as everyone says at the end of their answer, when they're asked, we're going to find out on Saturday, Luke, we're going to find out on freaking Saturday. I just think yeah. Don's going to be a lot better than John is framing us to believe his limitations are. I think his well, limitations are, are limitless. I just don't think he's putting the time consistently to get better in these areas. Now he has reason to a lot of reason to. He does. But at the same time, I just, um, also, does he have the resources at MMA Factory to get better in the grappling in the way that he needs to? Like, MMA Factory is a very good camp, particularly, I think they they produce good strikers. I've been less than impressed with some of the ground games coming out of there. Um, so, dude, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I really don't know how this is going to go. I And I, I'll tell you again, I really don't feel all that confident with this pick. But, but, you know, gun to the head scenario... John coming back, understanding what he's up against, and God having these issues in the past. Uh, it's hard for me to overlook that, but well, I let's add we're gonna, one. We're going to see our picture in stone. You're taking Jones, I'm taking Gone. Let's add one more potential uh, wrinkle to the mix the photo of Cyril Gone's hand that has been floating around. Now, he did address this at Thursday's press conference, said it was hurt after he injured it, but fully healed, all ready to go. I mean, what do you expect from him? He's going to say, My hand is compromised. Yeah. But there's the picture. Um, he's going to need that right hand to win this fight. Luke Thomas, does make you nervous at all in any form? Not 
much not much nervous uh, the reason why i would say that is because i've seen a lot of fighters hands and they're all messed up a yeah. lot of them have have hand surgery when they make a fist again it doesn't it'll look the same and you can see can you put the picture back up again mike i'm not sure if you can yeah look closely there's a there he had, he had hand surgery but as i understand it there's a big scar over the middle there it's gonna be hard to look um fully like the other one when, when you've had it operated on in that way so it does look also swollen and it does look like it's not 100 percent. but i think we'll throw it I, I i in the end when the adrenaline is pumping i'm gonna guess that however much this hurts and debilitates him when he's not fighting will mostly go away by the time he's fighting and it'll hurt like a son of a bitch afterwards but he'll be yeah. okay the thing i would say is i don't know how good the surgery was or how well it's healed I wonder if it's susceptible to breaking again. And that, to me, is a different scenario. Now, if it doesn't actually hurt him and he does throw it, but it's fragile and then it shatters, well, now you got all kinds of problems, right? Look, we know John Jones's uh, attack has long been heavy. He's almost been pioneering on certain ideas of using small leg strikes to, to keep opponents at bay. He already has that incredible reach and a decent jab, Luke, but he's always kicking you in the knee, the side of the leg, the calf long before it was hugely popular. Do you think that will be part of his offense? And, and on the flip side, something that gone can do as well to try to limit John's mobility. Yeah, that's a big part of what he does. Most of the work he does, in fact, um, if you look at the first Gustafson fight, the vast majority of the work he did was leg kicking of a variety. Um, and that includes those like stomps, those kind of sideways uh, oblique kicks, the teeps, whatever. Yeah, Gon's going to take – again, dude, Gon's going to take a lot of that away. He's going to take Yo, a lot. Dom Reyes had some success with that against John Early. Uh, that's right. And Dom Reyes was – dude, this is going to look a little bit like the Dom Reyes fight because John, I think, is going to be plodding forward, and Reyes was the one – on the outside for the most part circling pulling him in the difference was reyes had to fight both john jones and the dumbass texas criteria that favored yeah. forward movement there is none of that in this fight john can he can press forward but if he's getting pot shot and then gone moves you can like that or you can hate that but the fact that john is moving forward will not confer upon him benefit with the judges Absolutely. Uh, Luke, let's continue down an OK bet with our bet number two. We'll clean up any leftover UFC 285s afterwards. Uh, we got to pick a favorite to win. And I'm going to go into boxing here. We'll have more on this matchup, but I did want to get this on in stone as my pick. Saturday Showtime Championship Boxing, the main event will be for a vacant featherweight world title, 126 pounds. Brandon Figueroa, who moved up recently from 122 and knocked out Carlos Castro. Looked like a million bucks. He is going to take on the former champion, Mark Magsayo. Uh, We're expecting action. We're expecting fun here, Luke. We can get into that preview in a second, but I'm going to take Brandon Figueroa to win here as the favorite, minus 280 for my pick. Which direction are you going? So I'm not going to do the boxing. I'm going to keep this. All of my picks are from to, tomorrow's MMA uh, UFC card. Uh, you know, again, I said I wasn't super confident in all these picks. I'm reasonably confident in this one. Uh, I'm going to go for my favorite, Tabitha Ricci. I think Tabitha Ricci taking on Jessica Penny. Jessica Penny's got some skills. She trains hard. She is 40 years of age. She's had a series of layoffs due to complications with USADA and some injuries and a lot of other, you know, unfortunate events. Um, she does have good judo. She's got good jujitsu. But Tabitha Ricci is younger. I think a bit more of a dynamic athlete. I think probably a harder hitter as well. Penny is tough, but she got... She got clobbered against Emily Ducati. I think Tabitha's going to have enough to get it done here, so I like her to win. Yes, uh, minus 300, Ricci the favorite, plus 240. Was she? She was Penny. 230 when I looked. Wow, she's 300 now? Shit. Yeah, okay. Caesars is always moving, Luke. My underdog this week, I like this fight. 
It's going to be on the preliminary card. It's going to be in the middleweight division, Luke. Drikis Duplessis is going to try to con uh, continue his hot start to open it. Uh, claiming, Luke, he's he's claiming he, himself to be the true African fighter, isn't he? <laughs> Jesus. I mean, listen, I don't think either you or I are in a position to say who is and isn't African. That, that seems to be a debate. That's really not one we can say a lot about. But if you're from a place where even, you know, you're young enough where your parents were a part of the apartheid, or not a part of it, but like lived in apartheid South Africa, I can see why there might be some dispute about who gets to be uh, called African or not. Which, by the way, like no one cannot call him African. I mean, he's African. I mean, he was but... born and raised on that continent. You know our colleague yeah, yeah, yeah. at CBS Sports HQ? You know Hakeem Dermish, our fantastic colleague? Love yes. doing hits with that guy. He's the best. He, he was born in Libya and is the first North American uh, broadcaster to host Sports Center in the history of the world, Luke. All right. Is that so, right? Um, or, sorry, North African. Did I say North American? North yeah, African. North African. Essentially the Arab North is what you're talking about, basically. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Hakeem there. Uh, he's also African, Luke, and there's nothing you can do about it. Speaking of this matchup, That's right. though, That's right. a good one here. Derek Brunson, we haven't seen him since that win streak came to a close by stoppage against Jared Cannonier. More than a year, or I'm sorry, just about a year uh, layoff. As we look at Caesar's odds right now, plus 190 Derek Brunson, minus 230. Drickus Duplessis. Luke, look, we're going to be asking a lot of Derek Brunson at 39, but a big part of the, this run for him in the second half, in the twilight of, of his career, to have that one more run that got stopped was his wrestling ability and his aggressiveness and his focus on that and trying to hit up opponents if he sees a hole in their game to outwork them over three rounds. Luke, that's potentially in play here. He's had some time off, which either means he's going to come back fresh or we're going to see the continued advancement of age here at 39. But even though Duplessis hits hard and gets you into a fight, the st the contrast styles are perfect for an upset here. Give me give me Brunson at plus 190. I give thought me, about this one too. I, th I don't think that's a bad bet at all. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit different for my prelim. We're picking underdog now. I I'm going to go, and again, there's another pick I don't feel super confident about. But I'm going to go um, Vivian, how do we say the last name? Araujo? Araujo? Yeah, Araujo? you can do Araujo. If it, if, it was, if it was my hometown, we'd call it Arujo, Luke. Okay. Arujo. Well, Araujo, however you want to say it. I'll call her Vivian. I can say that one a little bit better. I I, I like her chances against Hebos a little bit, a little bit, uh, enough to to take a flyer on her here. Uh, she's not a significant underdog to Hebos. It's pretty close. And Hebus, I certainly, I, I I think it'd be foolish to close the book on her 10 and 3. Um, and yeah, I know she's, she's going to win, Caitlin. Luke. I want you she's to know Hebus is going to win this fight. Just okay, she's coming off the Caitlin Shukagian loss, which was a split decision. It was somewhat disputed. And she did beat uh, Vienna Janji Roba. But uh, Vivian can pop, and Hebus gets hit way too much for my liking. True. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a bit of a flyer on old Vivian there. Okay, uh, this could be a point situation for me if I can get a nice win here. Luke, let's keep it going to over-under. I am going to take the under- and the fight in question is going to be a very interesting one in the Bantamweight division. This could be your preliminary feature bout on ESPN before the pay-per-view, and it's Cody Garbrandt and Trevin Jones. Luke, I have followed Cody's journey this week in terms of speaking to the media closely and you know, not making excuses, but he did break down some of the stuff in his personal life that was in shambles surrounding that cut down to flyweight, Luke, where he did get stopped. What was it Kaikara France took care of him? Mm -hmm. The thing in the end, Luke, he's saying is the weight cut was never an issue. He said he could do it again tomorrow, but he went through a divorce, had to sell his house during fight camp. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff that gets, these are humans, Luke, this, that stuff gets in the way. 
Does that buy him more life to the idea that there's still something here? It might be, but Luke, my bet here is that this doesn't go the distance. Either Cody Garbrandt's going to continue the streak he's on and be, you know, one fight closer to the end of it, or he's going to bounce back big. Either way, it's going to happen by KO. So I'm taking that under. Um, okay. I think it's a fair pick. Uh, this one I feel reasonably confident about BC. We're talking over under. I'm going to take the under on Bo Nickel, Jamie Pickett. I just don't see any way that one goes to a decision. I don't see any way Bo Nickel loses short of some kind of weirdness. Although MMA is capable of that. His but, prediction uh, is first round stoppage, Luke. It's a that's hardcore his, That's prediction. his prediction? Yeah, it's, yep. that's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. I'd be very surprised if it went to the second. I'd be shocked if it went to the third, but I guess one never knows. Uh, Bo Nickel's probably going to mop the floor with him here, but there's no way this fight goes the distance. Give me this one to take the under. Luke, this plays right into my pick for KO or sub. I'm going with submission in this exact fight, Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett. If you want to know the mm. line at the moment, overall, it's minus 1,600 for Nickel to win, plus 900 for Pickett, and I'm going to take the submission win, although it could go either way here for Bo. We'll see what happens. All right, so for my last and final pick, uh, we have to do KO or sub. How about Rachmanov Neal ends in TKO? I think that's okay. the way it's going to go. Now, that one could be sub too, especially since uh, Rachmanov is a little bit more, I think, better about like locking up like you know subs at the end of a round. He did it to Oliveira. He did it to uh, uh, Neil Magny. He's done it to a couple of guys. But at the same time, more than that, actually. But at the same time, I, I feel like Neil is just going to trade with him uh, a little bit in a ways that probably isn't wise uh, because Rachmanov can do that to you. And uh, Rachmanov's going to get the finish here. For sure. All right. To recap for this week's OK Bet, Luke taking John Jones in the main event. Tabitha Ricci as a favorite. Vivian Arujo as the underdog. Bo Nickel goes under. Rachmanoff Neal by TKO. And on the flip side, I've got Gone in the main event. Brandon Figueroa in boxing as the favorite. Brunson the underdog. Cody Garbrandt's fight to go under and Bo Nickel by submission. We'll see how it plays out as I make moves here. Luke, quickly to sweep up on 285 predictions. Anything going to happen here in this women's flyweight co-main event? Valentina Shevchenko, Alexa Grasso, or do the odds say it all? Yeah, I mean, I respect again. I do. I really respect both competitors here. This is a worthy adversary. She earned the opportunity. MMA is crazy. One never knows. But yeah. based on all the information that we have, it seems very likely Shevchenko is going to win and, and probably put her away. Dude, Shevchenko is going to take her down and try to prove all of us wrong that she had any issue on the ground. I know that's not the same type of opponent, right? So it may be easier, but I think she's going to do like she did. She had an F. Remember the uh, the uh, Jessica Andrade fight for Shevchenko turned out to be an an FU fight. It turned out to be, oh, you guys think there's somebody out there that can, you know, test my my reign? And now she's been tested since then. I'm not saying she isn't human, but it's going to be one of those showcases. So take Valentina, take it big, take it home. Uh, well, Luke, let me, let me I, ask I do, a favor uh, to our producer, Mikey. Mikey, I forgot my glass of water that I have in here. Can you just put it on BC so I can go get it? Hey. Yeah, why, don't you, why don't we do a BC live chat right now? I'll be taking your questions. Uh, the other bouts we want to get picks from here is this welterweight pairing Jeff Neal against Shavkat Rachmanov to give you an update on the odds at this moment. Jeff Neal plus 400 on Caesars, minus 550 for Rachmanov, and that interesting test at lightweight when Jalen Turner a plus 180 underdog takes on minus 220 Mateusz I thought about Gamrot hold on let me ask uh, you a question hold on let me ask you yep. a question why didn't you because I didn't do it either but why didn't you pick Turner as your underdog um because Gamrot 
made a statement at the press conference and the few questions he was asked, Luke, because how about, by the way, shout out to the schmo going, Hey, John Jones, no. <laughs> how are you going to get turned up and lit at the uh, Hakazan <laughs> after party? Yeah, no, it turned out to be a cool question in that regard. Uh, at the, at the time he asked it, I was like, Holy shit, schmo, what yeah. are you doing? Look, there wasn't a ton of bullshit Basura this time. Although there's a lot of people reading <laughs> off their phones. Like, I don't know. Look, is that, is that impossible to ask somebody to like come up with a question and, not read it word for word off the prompter it's 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 all of these jobs all of these responsibilities all these various acts in service of the job they are harder than they look i don't think people realize that, that. Is but that is to answer fair. the question i didn't pick jalen turner either because gamrot's wrestling is so overwhelming but i was tempted i was tempted well, luke gamrot at the presser said i am gonna get that finish i have asked him to be more aggressive he guaranteed a finish in the few words he said on there so luke that is um yeah, it's going to bring on the danger, of course, because his opponent is one of those guys that can pull things out of nowhere, exciting things. And that's part of why this fight is so good and offers an opportunity for either one to make a big leap. But no, dude, I think Gamrot's going to get it done. I think this is going to be a, a reminder of exactly who he has just needed to fine tune perfectly here. And it's a short notice fight, too. Right, Luke? I mean, you know, there's some mm -hmm. there's some risk that the tarantula is taking here just to make a big statement and i respect that yep. but sometimes you gotta you gotta hit your ceiling work it around come back you know or or gamrot is gonna make a bad choice about what kind of takedown to pursue at what time and turner is so lights out with it and merciless he's gonna have his way i guess we're gonna i do it's gonna be fun tomorrow's yeah. main card and by the way we didn't even tell them yes we didn't go in studio this week i'm gonna see bc tomorrow in studio we're doing the prelims obviously for the boxing fights on showtime and then afterwards, we're going to do a post-fight live in studio, BC and I, for UFC yeah. 285. So we are going to have studio content tomorrow. Can we take their questions live, Luke, at the end of it or no? I have asked for that. I don't know if we have something set up, but I, I think I asked Long Island Luke last time about that yeah. for getting uh, questions on Twitter. I think they said they could do it. I think we should right. try. You know his dad's from Australia? I do know that. Yeah. yeah yeah uh luke speaking of uh great partners to work with we got a new one and i'd have to say i'm really excited about this partnership mostly because all, most of my favorite uh straw whites and flyweights are already uh putting out ads on ig all the time for them luke uh i would i would imagine you've seen them then yeah this is the part where you would pick up the script under yes. where it says Luke Cole. Yep, that's so right. John Jones play. makes his long awaited return against Cyril Gaon for the vacant heavyweight bat title at UFC 285. This one could go either way, which makes it a perfect opportunity to take advantage of boosted odds at my bookie. My bookie. Wow, Luke, when it comes to betting on the UFC, there's a ton of value in prop bets, like predicting how a fight will finish or how many rounds it will go. I like doing that. Getting started is easy. Just visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code COMBAT with a K to claim a welcome bonus up to $1,000 plus a free $150,000 March Madness bracket contest entry. And people are asking me this all the time. BC, I want a sports book that gives me the most for my money to bet on this weekend's UFC 285 card. Well, I got an answer for you, folks. It's my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And Luke, uh, speaking of .ag, which is their website, uh, shout out to AG1 and AG2, Amanda Guerra as well. Thank you. That's right. Shout out to AG2. And AG3, right. BC, which is just vaping. Just watermelon vaping like a real man does, okay? Yes, yes. Hey, Luke, what is? how curious is Tukey 
about this little habit of yours? Not very. Not very. She doesn't ever seem to be interested in it. I don't really do it in front of her anyway. Um, so not not at all. From what I can tell, okay. knock on wood. Okay. My kids uh, who are 15, my twins, they tried to out me this morning. Like, oh, dad, let me guess you're hungover, you know? Try to shame, try to body shame me because I haven't taken great care of myself. You're like, you're like Mr. Schneebly in School of Rock. And it's like, it's like, yeah. uh, it's like, yo, you're drunk. He's like, no, I was drunk yesterday. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Look, topic number one after OK Bet and the UFC 285 are in the rear view is what's going to go down Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern time only on Showtime, a triple header of Showtime Championship Boxing. And I'm telling you, folks. Ontario, California is the setting. This fight is probably going to be a great one and contend for a uh, fight of the year for however long it lasts. You say, how could you, BC? Look at the competitors we got in this one. Brandon Figueroa, former title holder at 122 pounds, only career loss. That split decision fight of the year against Stephen Fulton Jr. He thought, Luke, he was getting a rematch right here. Fulton's got other plans at the moment. So he's just going to stay at 126. And welcome Mark Magsayo, the Filipino power puncher, former champion in this weight class, lost that belt in a very close split decision to Ray Vargas. But now he's back for a vacant title. Luke, I tell you, Figueroa is going to fight Magsayo, and the odds at the moment are going to be minus 280 for Brandon, the heartbreaker, plus 210 for Mark Magsayo. I know the first thing you'll say expectation-wise is action and entertainment. But going a little bit deeper, what are you looking out for when these two touch gloves Saturday night? Collision. Collision. Figueroa is going to be all over him like white on rice. Uh, as we say, as we used to say in the South, like uh, like a duck on a June bug is what they used to say. Uh, here's the problem for, I think, Maxayo in this one. He is a very worthy adversary, but I'm surprised the odds are as close as they are. Listen, Figueroa is longer stronger, younger, and has done better against better opposition. He gave Fulton Jr. all he could handle, something pretty close to that, right? I mean, that was a close-ass fight through the entire 12 rounds, and he felt like he deserved the decision. I disagreed. I thought Fulton won, but it was close. And Fulton is best in class, right? Maxayo is a step down from that and is a come-forward kind of, uh, you know, can be a brawler at times. He's got that classic kind of Filipino in-your-face style, which is fun and all action-oriented, and he's going to land on Figueroa. But, dude, Figueroa is an absolute beast, and uh, I, I just think he's going to, in the end, Maxayo is going to get hit with way, way more shots than the other way around, especially yeah. in the range. That, that Figueroa we talked about, like the towering inferno, Sebastian Fundora, he's a little bit like that where he just kind of hangs over you like a canopy. He's going to swallow uh, Mark Maxayo eventually. Look, he's going to fight, find some legitimate resistance from Maxeo because for as raw as he is technically, and that has cost him in, in you know, in that fight against Ray Vargas for sure. But uh, he, he just keeps coming and he'll take damage and keep throwing and find a way to land athletic power shots. So what's going to be interesting to me, and look, I caught up with Brandon Figueroa, the heartbreaker. You can check out that interview at youtube.com slash morning combat where he wears Luke almost like an emo cap. And a lot of people thought he was the guy from fallout boy. No, it's it's the heartbreaker, Brandon Figueroa. Okay, yeah, he looks like he he looked like he was getting ready to make you and uh you know like an oat milk latte. Yeah, yeah, or, or talk to me about dashboard confessional, which I would have been here for that conversation to be fair. Death cab but, for cutie. 
you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll follow this kid into the dark anywhere, Luke. Uh, got a great strength trainer, too. But, look, let's get serious here for a second on Brandon Figueroa. Something happened when he moved up to 126. Uh, he wasn't killing his body anymore. And he, what he told me in that interview is it, it was like night and day from the idea of energy explosiveness. And that fueled into the power. Yes, he fought more like the traditional Figueroa style when he took out Carlos Castro in his featherweight debut. But Luke, it was dominant and the power was moving him. Previously, Figueroa not known as a knockout threat except to the body. He knocked out Luis Neri in a massive fight to set up that Fulton showdown. And that was to a big hook to the body. And he's got that for sure. And actually in my interview, I encourage people to check it out. I did ask him where he focuses. Is it that one spot? Is it the left hook to the liver? Or does he feel he can turn off anyone's lights downstairs by, by going hard to the body? But he, look, when he is mixing in a little bit more of what everyone said he should do, which is, you've, you know, his brother fought the same way. You're tall and long, long arms, but you give away your height and reach and you're not a knockout puncher. You just get inside and just throw educated punches and bunches and you, you know, you take damage and you give away your natural advantages. He's starting to work in a little bit more boxing from range and using his jab. He did that mm. in windows against uh, Carlos Castro. There's a lot of narrative heading into this fight that if he just boxes from the outside, he's not going to have any issues with Magseo, no matter how aggressive and, and, and persistent Mark is. Do you think he can do that if he wants to? Or the fact that at the end of the day, he loves to make fun fights. That's going to come out. I mean, look, this thing's going to, they're going to dance Mac, in there. Here's the thing. With the right partner, I think that idea about what Figueroa could do would make some sense. That does seem to be like a reasonable thing. It's like, could Figueroa fight this way if he wanted to in the right circumstance? Yes. Yes, I think he could. The problem is, or I actually think the challenge to that is going to be Maxayo. <laughs> He's gonna be in his face too. He's and he's gonna be like, oh, you want to have a, you want to have a, you want to, you, you know. He's got one of those kinds of attitudes. Like, you want to do this? Let's get to do this. He's gonna get right up in his chest, right up in his face, and go to work. And so, a guy who's gonna sit down on his punches like that, you might think, oh, well, that would deter Figueroa. He that would be a perfect case to jab. I actually think because of the exchanging and the way in which a guy's gonna be sitting down like that, it's going to invite Figueroa to revert back to what he already likes. Which, by the way, you're right, he takes damage doing that, but he's very good in that style as well. It works for him, at least for now, while he's young. So they might they, there might be punctuated moments of that PC, and they may even start that way. But I just feel like Maxayo's style, with, with, with Figueroa more habitually likes, that's going to that's gonna see it, it itself made present over time. Anytime you get an aggressive Filipino fighter, we're ready to make the Pacquiao comparisons. In this case, Pacquiao's the promoter of Mark Maxeo. So th their styles aren't, you know, perfect match, but it's the same spirit, although he's an orthodox fighter. But the one thing about Manny, though, and I'm not, again, I mean, who else is Manny, right? Historically, not, not many. He was just this hurricane of, of straight left hands early on. And it actually was so dynamic I mean, when he stopped Marco Antonio Barrera to have that true, like, breakthrough, I'm pound for pound ilk, I'm ready to be a star win, it was like, holy crap. And over time, you give Freddie Roach and him a lot of credit. They added so many wrinkles to his game. Remember, that he never used his right hand ever, and then that became the Manila Ice Hook that he called it. He actually became one of the best pure boxers in the game by the end of his career. I'm not saying Maxeo is going to do that and not do that in the gap of one fight, but should we expect improvement 
in some level of the technical aspects because they made Pacquiao's explosiveness and wildness, wildness work by marrying it with certain levels of fundamental activity. Maxeo seems to have like, you know, enough of a foundational form where if you, if you forced him to focus in on that jab and work distance a little bit more, you know, there's, there's still time for him to improve, but how much improvement can we expect here? I'm very modest amount. And also just, again, it goes back to like your style is people don't, people may, your style is somewhat an extension of your personality. You know, it's almost a signature of like how you view danger, how you assess risk, what you like to do, what you don't like to do and what that says about you. Like it says a certain something about you, the way that you fight a little bit. Um, and people can sometimes read a little bit too much into that. But there is there is a connection between your sensibilities and the way in which you compete, and especially in a fight or a, a, a sport like this, uh, where it's individual. Right. It's your it's what you're doing. Dude, he he's not a guy who's going to jab and then exit. Like you just, we just saw him fighting Gary Russell Jr. here in these highlights. Gary Russell Jr. can do that because he's a little bit more naturally situated that way. He's always been kind of doing a little bit of that stick and move at times, or if he needed to be on the back foot and use good ring craft, he could. Maxio's not that guy, dude. He's not going to box nine rounds of twelve on the outside, circling on the outside. He doesn't believe in that. It's not his gear. It doesn't make sense to him. What makes sense to him is to. Uh, maybe more scientifically, but certainly to bring the fight to you. Well, Figueroa also thinks he should bring the fight to you, which means, you know, you're just, I just, it doesn't seem like this is the fight to showcase. Uh, and and it, it, there might be some elements of what you're talking about, but this isn't yeah. the fight to showcase the broader details of that. Yeah, it should be a fun one. Featherweight title at stake. And if you want to catch more of my interview with Figueroa, I got his thoughts on full and pulling out of talks to rematch him to go in the direction of Niowa Inoue, which we expect later this spring, including his thoughts of who wins that fight and whether he's still chasing Fulton in the future. Check it out. Uh, Amakar Vidal versus Elijah Lorenzo Garcia in the co-feature. And then, Luke, we kick off the night with Jarrett Swift heard back after that long break. He uh, lost a split decision to Luis Cuba Arias on the Mayweather-Logan Paul undercard. He's at middleweight full-time now. He's going to welcome Jose Armando Resendiz. Uh, I probably butchered that. Resendiz? I can't pronounce it, Luke. Uh, Jose is a plus 300 underdog, minus 425 for Jared Hurd. So we'll see if the greater DMV product can uh, can find a new gear, Luke. I'd like to see that out of him. He's still so 32 years old, still so young. Let, let's see what he's got left. He looked bad in his last fight. He yeah. looked bad. And again, without seeing whether there's accents on these, here's going to be, do you want my gringo best guess of how to pronounce his opponent's name? Yeah. Here's Resendiz? my best guess. Jose Armando Resendiz. Resendiz. Okay. Resendiz. I'll take that one. Uh, going to be, into, I'm going to be watching that fight closely, but before those fights go down, the 9 p.m. Eastern triple header start. You can catch Luke Thomas and myself 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Where? How about the Showtime Sports YouTube channel? It's Showtime Boxing Countdown. Luke Thomas and I will set the stage for the evening's main card and provide you with call the call of three action fights on this preliminary card, including Terrell Gaucher, 154-pound contender, fresh off that close loss to Tim Zhu. He'll be taking on Brandon Lynch. We got Trev, Trayvon Marshall and Justin Deloach in the co-feature. And Luke, you remember this guy? We called one of his fights uh, last year. Enrico Gogokia will be back, taking on Sam Taya, who is a uh, veteran of Showbox as well. So Gogokia, a former... 
former highly decorated kickboxer. Uh, Absolutely. He's an interesting one. Yeah, be watching that one closely. Luke, topic number two this week. Uh, how about this from BKFC? Dude, we they get they get on our radar a few times lately, usually through pro pro wrestling theatrics. But this time, how about signing big names on the same day? Luke Rockhold gets announced as a big time BKFC free agent signing. As does Eddie Alvarez, the underground king. So how about this for April? It's I think it's April 29th. I think that's actually the date in 20. Colorado. 21 this, i think april 21. 21 here maybe we should look mikey can you look that up here's the deal though bkfc going in big with this pay-per-view your main event late april in colorado luke rockhold versus mike perry your co-feature eddie alvarez versus chad money mendes and there's a women's title fight as well ben rothwell will also be on this card um i have to say it's april 29th thank you i have to say luke that i am like not even there's no shame involved. I am all freaking in on this type of slop. Like this is when I show up at that gas station on the Mass Pike and I find out that they shot the cheese into the hot dog. I know what it's going to do to me and I'm here for it. I okay, so Eddie Alvarez did an interview for example with I think Jimmy Smith where he said that the contract is non-exclusive. Right, so he has some options to go some other places, which I think is great for Eddie. I don't know if that's Luke Rockhold's contract or not. I I don't mind it as much with Eddie. I think Eddie's still got a little bit of fight left in him. Obviously, he's at the you know the very tail end of his career. He's a very senior level fighter, uh, but he's fighting a guy who's a natural one forty five er who's going to be a little bit bigger. Who we know who, who can pop, and you know who knows if he's on the gear at this point or not. BC, but he better be. But I, that one. I don't think it's great for Eddie, but okay. I can, you know, he's he's a grown oh, man. Don't, be, and, don't look at this from like a sensible. This is not a sensible fight card, Luke. Okay. It's it's like a it's a circus, <laughs> and we're here for it. All right. All right. Well, I just mean the rockhold one is more interesting to me. So what do you say to one. all the people who responded to my tweet and your tweet and anyone's tweet going? Yeah, ain't Luke Rockhold a lot bigger than Mike Perry, though? Dude, Mike Perry lives for this shit. We got to find out if Luke Rockhold lives for this shit like he did against Paulo Costa, right? I mean, here's the thing, right? So, okay, your first reaction is, well, wait a second. One guy fought as high as 205 pounds, and one guy is a welterweight? Like, we're going to put those two guys together? That seems like a mismatch. And it could be. I don't know what weight this fight has been contracted for. Was it 195 or 185? I had to double check. Um, so, you know. Uh, but the point is this Rockhold's going to have to have some kind of a weight cut, right? Uh, known durability issues at this stage of his career, although he did go three rounds with Paulo Costa, but the durability issues, I think you can't look the other way on in particular BC because the ring is tiny. And I don't know how anyone hasn't really talked about this. Luke Rockhold's striking game is primarily kickboxing based. But now it's just with punches. And it's like he probably has a reach advantage too, I'm going to imagine. He's obviously a much taller person. It's like, listen, Luke Rockhold had a much more decorated MMA career. He was a strike force champion. He was a UFC champion. Like he did a lot as an MMA fighter. But he is long in the tooth. And Mike Perry is a fucking savage. So even if he's giving up all that weight, the rules, Rockhold's essential style, his durability issues, and the fact that BKFC kind of suits people who are a little bit more bite down on the mouthpiece in your face oh, yeah. types, 
It's like, who are you putting money on? Gun to your head, Rockhold or Perry? Perry, because I'd probably go Perry. You have to ask yourself, what is the biggest adjustment? Like, why are so many boxers not doing this? There's been a few boxers, but it's mostly been MMA fighters. I think, Luke, because even though I don't see even people taking advantage of the clinching opportunities that there's there, I just think in general, it's different. Now, some boxers did. Austin Trout came in and lit up Diego Sanchez. But in That's general, different. Luke... It's different. You know, you, Michael, I think MVP even thought he was going to come in, work behind right. that jab. You know, it would be easy. It's the a ring different is too game. small. You can't load up on every punch. It's a different setup. People that are able to use the dirty boxing elements, that can be a hindrance. And also, it's gnarly, dude. You can get sliced open. I mean, I'm not saying that these guys aren't fighters. They, that, you know, that's why they agreed to do this. They don't care about that danger, but. It, there's a lot of curveballs that get thrown. Your your fist breaking early. You know what I mean? There's a lot of a lot of curveballs in this type of environment, of which Mike Perry lives for. When he went in there in that Triller hybrid thing they did, and he fought Michael Seals, that hard hitting light heavyweight boxer. Mm -hmm. I thought you know he was going to run into something big, dude. He grinded that shit out like like a like a man, Luke. I mean that was yeah. an impressive manly performance. And, the same and thing MVP. With MVP. The same damn thing with MVP. Um, this is what he's bred for, and he's still got enough in the tank that, uh, yeah, he probably should be the favorite here against Luke. I, and but I gotta say, let me let me ask let me ask you a question about this, BC, because I can't decide how I feel about it. Maybe you feel more clearly one way or the other. Do you find it good that there is a promoter, not really in the MMA space? I mean, they're pulling from MMA fighters, which is the point of the question, but they're not putting on MMA, right? They're putting on something else that is taking away some of these names from MMA promotions. Or are you glad there's someone who's kind of all in on the post-prime section of fighters and that's forcing MMA promoters to get a little bit better about curating their up-and-coming talent or just not relying yeah. on these kinds of names? How do you feel about what BKFC is doing in terms of taking all these names away? I feel it's great. And it's not, and it's not as if there's not risk, which is why people try to sign people to long-term multiple fight deals so they can always get the rematch or the comeback or whatever. But... It's more in line. Look, the few Eddie Hearn, Eddie Hearn in boxing has had some very prescient comment. Prescient is that the right word? Or yeah, just, prescient. Mm -hmm. About what the future is, you know, he he had been he, people had asked him, "How were you able to get Canelo to be loyal to you when Canelo has all the leverage in the world?" And he's like, "Because the fighter's the boss." And he's like, "You know, we're in the outdated model that you know Don King and Bob Arum and now Dana White employ, where you know you work for them and whatever they give you, you'll be happy with." It is changing in that regard. So fighters should be allowed the freedom. Now, is there, if you're an MMA promoter and you've got them under contract, do you want them to go to a dangerous sport like this where they can get carved up and it hurt their hands, be out for a while? No, there's some give and take and worry in that regard. But there's also something to keeping people happy. I mean, look, when I, I'll just be, you know, real honest with you. When I, when I worked at ESPN and I don't know if the rules are the same now, you know, you can't go do something on the side for another company unless you're, at a very, 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 very high level, right? You can't mm -hmm. just like take an announcing gig on the side for somebody else, mm -hmm. you know? I've been able through my relationships with with uh, with my boss at CBS to to get certain extra you know opportunities and experience and reps that, by the way, make me more valuable for my own employer and keep me happy. And you'd like to see more of a give and take relationship in general, but just as a fight fan, you give these guys a chance to do these one-off things where they're going to have fun. They can make a lot of money. Yeah, we're always going to argue when it's somebody like Diego Sanchez of do you want to see this? These names in question, though, aren't at that point. 
I love it. I love the the marketing strategy of David Feldman at the moment. Look, he you know he comes from the side the the, the real carnival side of it, so he's going to make decisions at times that we're going to groan at. And I think Diego Sanchez is one of those, and he's had a few other ones. But right oh, now, had, well, a guy died two years ago. Let's not yeah. forget that. But right now, he seems to have it figured out. When they signed signed Paige Van Zandt, it seemed to get them a lot of attention that they needed. It sparked their women's division, which is fun. They've got some guys that are like like Lorenzo Hunt, who just seem like they're perfect for this and their characters and they're fun to watch. And they have enough name value in MMA where you'll tune in. But now you're starting to get some guys who have like legit juice left to make really fun fights. Um, If you allow them to do what they want, I mean, Scott Coker's learning that too, to a certain degree, Luke. I mean, he let MVP do this and it didn't necessarily derail, even though MVP was in a six round fight, it didn't derail his, you know, welterweight title hopes here in Bellator. And he can come back happy, well-paid. It, it, it's where we're at, Luke. You got to have options. You got to have leverage. You got to be, you know, it's different. It's a different. Yeah. Game. I mean, I still have questions about the viability of the business as well as the safety of it, but it's going to be in Colorado for that one, which is a good commission. Um, oh, by the way, elevation Add another factor in there. Yeah. Elevation. Uh, it's going to be a fun one, man. That's going to be an interesting one for sure. Indeed. Well, good move. We'll see what breaks down with this. And don't forget, Luke, in April, we've also got, April's going to be wild. We've also got the one championship U.S. debut in Colorado, yep. which is a loaded card. Yep. Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia. April no, wait, 22nd. I thought I thought the I thought the one debut was May 5th. Is it? Yeah, maybe I'm a couple weeks Cinco off. Cinco de Mayo. I think that's right. May 5th. Uh, then we've got, of course, Tank Davis, April 22nd against Ryan Garcia. Big. I'll be on vacation. Yay. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. Uh, right after the week after me, Luke, really? We couldn't coordinate that better. Dude, it's you, you and I before. See, you were you were taking you were taking my vacation schedule for granted because yours was based on your kids' schooling. Well, yes. now mine is based on my kids' schooling. So DCPS has off whatever week it is in April. Yeah. We I mean, you know, Tuki at three years old, Luke, she can't miss that time. You know what I mean? No, I mean she can miss days. I mean, let's be honest; she's in her oh, learning right. about. Oh, you right. know, just stay home. Then. Yeah, just just work it. That's fine. Coloring, fine. but uh, uh, April eighth, obviously, a big day as well in combat. Bro, I tell you, the other day, I, I was sitting in my couch. I was like just flipping things on the TV, and I look over and I see my wife and my daughter had a. And I'm not even doing a bit here. Like for five minutes, had a full conversation back and forth in Spanish, like nice. the whole way. I yes. was like, dude, Tuki's Spanish is getting. She can count to fifty in Spanish. She can't count to 50 in English. I think she can count to like wow. 30 in English. Yeah. The Tukes. Dude, the Tukes was... is going to, like, as a proud dad, you're, I know your answer will be whatever she wants to do. But, like, what do you want to see her do in life, Luke? I mean, it's early, but, like. Nothing I did. Nothing I did. <laughs> like, I don't want to see her anywhere near martial arts. Yeah. I don't want to see her anywhere near the military. I don't think. Okay, I'll just be honest. I Politics. think that there are way too many predators and weirdos in martial arts. I think it's often a very unsafe place for women. I was in the Marine Corps. I can tell you that during my time in the Marine Corps, it was a very unsafe place for women. I don't really want her anywhere near either of those. Okay, but if she yeah. becomes a pop star, that can become an unsafe place too. Luke. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's other, there's other, there's plenty of other things she could do that could also be awful or worse. But all I want for her is to be uh, happy and healthy. That's it. Right. She can do whatever else she wants. That's awesome. Uh, let's go to topic number three. This has more wrinkles than I expected upon hearing. Darren Till has asked the UFC for his release, and he received it. His tweet quote says this. What's happening, everyone? Me, Dana, and Hunter are still cool as fuck. I asked UFC to remove me just to sort some other shit for the foreseeable. 
They happily agreed to release me out of the contract, which I appreciate. I'm not going anywhere. Got big plans to execute, and I'll be back. He then tweeted what you can see there, the emojis of four boxing gloves and four bags of money. So, Luke, when I saw that tweet, I'm like, is he going to do a boxing match to make money while going back to the drawing board and MMA and figuring some things out? But that doesn't seem to be the direction. Before I get your reaction, we have video directly from him of him explaining this choice. Let's hear from Darren Till. Some like injections on my knee and stuff like that. I want to like really take care of my knees, not my knee, my knees. I was like, but you know, some of the stuff like like injecting me into my knee. Am I gonna am I gonna pass some of the tests and stuff like that? Like, there's a lot of hurdles to get past. I was like, and I want you know maybe I could get surgery stuff like that. That was with Brett Okamoto of ESPN during their interview. Luke, is this as easy and cut and dry as to say he's taking time away to exit the USADA testing pool so that he can use banned substances to heal his knee and then come back stronger with the UFC? Is that what you're taking from this? Seems that way. I mean, listen, you have a really clear and very easy choice to make. And the good news is it actually doesn't matter because it ends up in the same place. So here's what I mean. So Darren is saying, I'm going to take time away. Uh, in this particular interview, uh, I want to get better medical care. Okay. So you can look at that as a true statement that he has to leave the purview of USADA to get actually good, full medical care. That's a bad look for them. Right. Or you can say he's going to just use performance enhancing drugs and he'll be right back. Well, that is also a very bad look for USADA in either either way. It just shows you there's a certain level of restriction and control that is either easy to get around or is obstructing what could be clearer paths to better medical care. It doesn't really matter which way you go. You end up in the same place. So I applaud him. And also, let's just put that aside for just a second because I realize like that's going to be the forward part of the conversation given he said this. But BC, the guy was what one in five in his last six. He is, and yeah. Uh, and let's just say it, dude. He looked bad against Strickland Duplessis. He looked bad. He looked bad. He looked like his game was going in the other direction. Even if his knee was fine or whatever, or whatever else you want to say about what that statement is, he told Brett Okamoto, he needed to take a break. He needed to not be in the UFC. He needed time to get his game right, to get his mind right, maybe get a couple tune-ups in and then come back to the UFC. I actually think on just that level alone, it's a good idea to say nothing of the fact that he might need growth hormone to heal some kind of knee issue. Okay, but here's what's interesting about it. So he's 30 years old. Yes, losses in five of his last six, including four by stoppage. The only one that wasn't was the strong performance I thought he gave in defeat against Robert Whitaker. Uh, three losses in a row, two straight by submission to Brunson and Duplessis. But in this tweet, Luke, I don't – okay, so the bo- the boxing gloves and the money bags tell you something potentially in terms of options he feels he has. But in an MMA sense, he basically says, I'll be back. I'm not going anywhere. I don't get the feeling that he's going to go fight elsewhere in MMA. And do you think there's potentially some level of agreement between him and USC? Because he asked the UFC for his release, it appears. They gave it to him. I don't think that's for him to go like – fighting cage warriors or pfl or anything i think it's for him to to get healthy and come back that's just my two cents and my take i know he did tweet out those boxing gloves but what are your expectations you you are that that he'll go elsewhere and and fight and and get better 
Uh, well, again, it, we'll have to see. Uh, he might just do the boxing matches and then, you know, come back or something. Uh, it's really hard to say. Or he doesn't come back at all, and this is the end, and that's that. I mean, it's it's. I, I would be. I would. It would be unwise to like very clearly try to predict the future. But I I, I think that um, even if he were, let's say, to take a couple of boxing matches in his time off, if he does those right and he works on his game the whole time, including his striking game, which is the forward leading part of his game, but. You know, just in general, be in the gym all the time, training. You could focus it in certain directions as you needed to for whatever opportunities come your way. It's still what he needs to get his game in a place where he can use it to make money. It's still he needs he did not need to be in the UFC at this moment. He needed to go do something else, switch well, gears, find something I don't else. Disagree with that. I guess I'm still caught up on the idea because even though he's lost five of six, he's only 30 years old. He can talk. He seems to still have some level of like star value that he carries and aura, even though the defeats have been pummeling. Well, I don't know if UFC is just going to let that happen unless there's some level of understanding or agreement. Are they going to let him walk? I mean, would you, did you think they were going to cut him even with all those defeats right now? I, I thought they would keep him ultimately. In the end. I thought they would keep him as well, but in the end, it's not good for him. Like okay. if you're, listen, if you're winning and losing the UFC, that's tough, right? That's tough. But if your game is getting actively and noticeably worse over time, it's time it's time to call it uh if not a day, just timeout. It's time to call timeout. So again, just on that level alone, I think it's a good call. Whether he uses this time effectively, either for injury rehabilitation or other opportunities in other combat sports, I, I that's up to him. But but continuing, I'll just say this continuing on. The path that he was on was a path to nowhere. That that much I know for certain. Yeah, UFC UFC doesn't usually just let people go. I don't. know. It's weird. We'll see what happens right here. Luke, I've been told though that my celebrity doppelganger is Darren Till. Look closely at me. Do you agree? Uh, I mean, if I Till you know, if Till had done nothing but eaten Twinkies for a year. Maybe. Yeah. I, well, I was trying to add to my growing. What am I? What's my word? Lineage. I mean, you know, you understand, Luke. Already, my my Irish origin, my Scottish name, my adoption by the Welsh, the English. Despite a, a loud crowd, you know, crowd pop that we got at the uh, Pod Live Festival, the English don't claim me. But if I look to people like I could be Liverpudlian, Luke, like I'm the next Mike Owens Media, just walking, you know, scousing it out, Luke. Um, I, there, I've touched all my bases there. You know. Do you know Scouse slang? No. So if I, I said the word scram, do you know what scram means? Uh, cocaine. <laughs> no. Scram means food. Food. Ooh, okay. Okay. Uh, there's actually a really awesome social media account called Footy Scram, and it just shows you something you can get at a soccer uh, stadium or even a, a park, and what it is and how much it costs. And, dude, you should see the food they're serving these people in England. I mean, just dog food. Just dog food for, like, 10 pounds. You cannot believe people are eating this shit. But they do. They do. All right. There we go. Uh, look, do you want to go into dead wrong now? You want to take that plunge? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, it could fucker. be some painful L's to be had. You are on a run of taking them, Luke. Taking them, you know? Um, you know straight, I mean? like, straight, to the, straight to the face. You know, like, yeah, there we go. Okay, uh, this is a segment that we offer you the chance to call us out. We're usually the one making fun of you and during fan subs, but morningcombat at gmail.com is the email address, the, the tunnel. And at the end of that tunnel is Mikey Mormal, our producer, waiting. But as long as you have receipts and you come original, 
you're allowed to point out that something we said was dead wrong. Ask Look, this, this is our chance to be self-reflective, right? <laughs> this to is our chance to get, this is our, no, let's just be honest about it. This is our chance for the audience to roast us. That's really what this is. We end every week with the audience shitting on us. And I honestly think that's exactly what should happen every Friday. I usually fight for more fan interaction in our show, you know, and you're like, I don't need to be that close to those weirdos, but no, 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 no. You don't vote for fan interaction. What you do is you befriend the homeless and you're, you're this guy. Hey, you're, let's imagine we're roommates, right? We, we share a two bedroom apartment. We're 23 years old living together in the oh, big dude, city of New York. You would definitely chasing our dreams. Me through a, yeah, you would douche me through a glass door. Yeah, just doing, just doing skits and bits. No skits, and bits. skits and bits. But the point I wanted to make was you'd be the guy that would go on the street. You would talk to some homeless guy in the park and you would invite no, him to the house no. and bring that him for dinner. True. That's what you That's do. And true. that to me is not being social. That to me is just being weird. You like being Maybe weird. homeless cats. I mean, all 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 five of my animals are cats and Dude, bits. they're all rescues. All of them are rescue animals. Okay, Luke. Just, all right. Just Nobody would give them any attention, Luke, except for me. Okay. Wait, where'd sometimes... you get Reggie Jackson? Where'd you get Reggie Jackson? Uh, in Shelton, Connecticut, at a shelter. This lady turned her house into a shelter. So when we walked in there, there's like 12 dogs running around, and then there's a baby playpen in the middle with Reggie another dog and three other kittens and he looked like he needed to be rescued and yeah. he jumped right into my arms when i bent over luke and he claimed oh. me he claimed me as his person you know and, yo yo as my wife and daughter would say ten lindo yeah it, yeah and, and uh, you know i'm his guy and you know we have a very volatile relationship because he breaks all of my shit and has no remorse like <laughs> like not even any level of remorse but Luke, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he picked me. So I got to go the distance with him. You know, it's kind of like you choosing me for this show, I guess. There we go. All right. Yep. Time to get dead wronged. Um, I think this is from Paul. He says at approximately 525 of Monday's episode, BC referred to the guy who put the flex seal on the bottom of the boat, Billy Mays, end quote. Any casual TV watcher would know. Bill Swift. Who is seen in the Flex Seal infomercial is none other than commercial icon Phil Swift. Did Dude, I didn't cocaine? know that shit. Did Phil Swift have cocaine too? Or is that just all these uh, sellers? I, I imagine all of these dudes have just died, you know, like David Carradine, autoerotic asphyxiation somewhere in Thailand. Yeah, let me look this up. I don't want to speak ill of the dead, Luke, after that, you know, after that Heath Ledger situation, right? Yeah, I mean, people. You say awful shit, and then people write me. Um, I don't think he's dead. No, I think Phil Swift's still going. Yeah, I mean, look, do you believe that though? Billy Mays is dead, right? Billy Mays died. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he like. I think he liked to party or something. Look, I don't know, but I'll tell you this: Do you believe when Phil Swift is taking a broken rowboat and he's, you know, putting some black masking tape over it and spraying some spray paint on it, and, and it, no water gets in at all? Yeah, I, I'm gonna call bullshit on that one. You know, but. Right. I'm going to get you Flex Seal for your birthday every single year for the rest of your life, Luke. You'll never use it. No. Are you handy at all? I'm I'm desperately not handy. Are you at all? Uh, there's a few things I do pretty well, and then that's it. I can't do a lot of things. Um, yeah. I do very little things well, Luke. <laughs> Some would argue that even this thing that I think I do well, I really don't. Okay? I really don't. Just, just That's hilarious. Know, hanging on your shoulders there. Uh, let's keep it going. This is a, a no-name entry. You didn't, have the, you didn't have the guts to tell us who you are? Here goes another attempt at a submission for dead wrong. 
at 152.26 of episode 411. Mikey, wow, they're calling out Mikey here. Mikey chimes in to mention that Luke is referencing at Stale Cracker as the TikTok sh- chef. From yes, Louisiana. oh, he had that wrong. It's uh, it's Ralph Baker, right? With the affinity for the garlic powder here now. While Stale Cracker is a big TikTok chef, big time one from Louisiana with a heavy accent, Luke was refer- referencing at Ralph the Baker. Yeah. Luke, can you confirm or deny that Mikey is dead wrong? This guy. Mikey asked. is Mikey is dead wrong. We talked about it actually after the show. Uh, he's talking about the guy who's like, I got this crawfish, dude. I'm not talking about that guy. I'm talking about the one who like puts like he makes like queso dip and like like uh, like pork tacos and everything is hit it with that W sauce there, nah. Hit it with that garlic powder, nah. Get that Trinity cooking, nah. That's Ralph the Baker. Okay, he's awesome. Okay. Uh, whoever sent this in adds, if Mikey is dead wrong, which he is, sit on that garlic powder now, Mikey. Nah. <laughs> no, yeah, you got to say nah. Go. Sit, sit on that garlic powder now. Nah. Luke, who's your favorite uh, Cajun? Is it uh, Daniel Cormier or Dustin Poirier or yeah, the, guy from, the guy from the uh, guy from what's the, the, the Adam Sandler football movie, Luke? Billy Boucher, the water boy. Yeah, I remember the guy that wore the overalls and was like spinning his nickels all the time. That comedian that's in every Adam Sandler movie, you know that guy. So I think I walked out of that movie. Oh, get um, off. Come on. The Adam Sandler movies are not that good. I don't know no, why. No, back then they were. Back then. I mean, Little yeah. Nicky is, is ridiculously bad, but the other ones are, you know. And Click, uh, Luke, Click will make you cry if you think hard enough at the message that they're trying to give It definitely won't. Them. It definitely that won't. working too much and putting your family off. Adam oh, Sandler's best performance is in the uh, P.T. Anderson movie, Punch Drunk Love. Everything I still else. haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that's his best. Or, or what was the uncut one you liked gems. with the Saf- with the Safdie brothers? Yeah, Uncut Gems, dude. He should, he's, 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 he's extremely good in that one, too. Yeah, He deserved a best Oscar nomination. He did. He did. He yeah, did. he did in that one. Yeah. All right. Or best best actor, you know what I'm saying here. I'm, I yes. say things all the time, jumbled. I got one more dead wrong, and it's from Rob Rob Hudson, in fact, from Duval, Luke Duval. What is that? Duval County, Duval County, Georgia. Oh, maybe, maybe he's a big chicken guy. Uh, today's episode, BC said in 1994 that Chris Weber went around the back and dunked on Barkley, and the next game. Barkley went for 56 points. That would be Luke from their first round playoff series in '94. But this guy, uh, Rob, is saying um, Weber went around the back in the regular season and Nike used the clip in an ad campaign that season. But Barkley didn't light the Warriors up for 56 until the playoffs when they got swept by the Suns. 90s NBA was fire. Iverson's the best pound for pound all time. Love you guys. Go Jags. It's Rob Hudson from Duval. Luke, I'll have to look that up. I, obviously, my memory could be off there. That is the same season that it happened. Do you remember the playing question at Golden State on the fast break where Chris Weber went around the back and then dunked on Barkley, who was too far under the hoop to really contest it? But like it was an embarrassing moment. And that's what fueled Barkley to come back and drop 56 on them on their ass. I don't remember that like you do. All right. Sorry. I guess I'm alone in this 90s NBA. Luke, I got some people who were intelligently DMing me and saying, you're wrong, BC. Basketball, NBA basketball today is better than it's ever been. And you're romantically, nostalgically stuck on the idea that the 90s was some Dude, type of. So so there is a, uh, uh, do you know who Ben Thompson is? No, I know he is a, guy, no, no, no. He's a, he's a writer who opened up this uh, site years ago called Stratechery 
which is, you know, uh, he, he talks about the intersection between tech and um, the world around us. And he's a huge NBA fan. He's actually been on Bill Simmons' podcast a couple of times. And he has a piece up from February 28th called What the NBA Can Learn from Formula One. I didn't yeah. realize this. The NBA's product is suffering. Their ratings are down massively. Their revenues are down massively. They are apparently the biggest issue is not that the NBA is better than it's ever been. You could actually argue from a business perspective, uh, it's actually, I wouldn't say in trouble, but its future looks extremely uncertain. Basketball is growing much less popular in this country than it once was. So I'd be very careful about touting the the, the magic of the well, NBA right now. It was a guy named Keith. I think his name is Keith Kim on Twitter. He did come at me, correct, Luke, in his basically saying that my love for the pick and roll, thanks Stockton and Malone, every team's running that now. They're running the spread pick and roll, and they're running it better. And he basically said as a as a drawing point against the 90s NBA game was that it was all isolation and post-up. And I'm like, it's a lot yeah. of that. It was yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> Isolation, post up, pick and roll. Yeah. That's what it was. Luke. Dude, when you were, when we were kids at the park, man, everyone wanted to be the one posting up to get the, you know, dribble, dribble, back, turn, and, you know, shoot and everything. You, you wanted to be that kid. You know, that was well, what it's, you did. It's, I think the game within the game that I loved was when you double the post, right? And then you had people that like Anthony Mason, who was incredible. He was like a point guard in the post, and you could find the open three point shooters. But look, the three pointer became a, you know, a part-time weapon. My my issue with the game today is that because of the illegal defense changes and opening the lane purposely to allow smaller, quicker players and taking away the hand check and some of those fouls and allowing speed to become the dominant factor. Why? To raise scoring. You mix that with the fact that every single player has to be able to hit threes to be on the floor. So the amount of threes taken on the regular, and I'm not saying it's not a skill to develop Steph Curry-like range from 35 feet. I mean, it's ridiculous. But it's lost to me a purity element of the game because everybody in this modern day on the floor is a 10 out of 10 athlete. So the court's almost too small and it's just like, it's a completely different game. I'm not saying there's no defense adjustments, play calling, like all that stuff is still brilliant. I still watch the finals and some of the playoffs and it's, it's good. It's just not as good. Maybe I preferred the more grinding, slow down team oriented style than the running gun three pointers you know and and dunks but look it's almost as if like the modern athlete is is getting too good for the the setup in the game the game is yeah i see what you're saying the game to me is just uh also it's not just the game bc like with how stars move so often yeah you know like you can cheer for like a season you know what i mean there used to be like these institutions you know, that like they would hold sway for long periods of time of continuity. And when, when someone left, it was a huge deal. Yeah, now there's now it's a huge teams. deal for like 24 hours. Yeah, there's have and have nots. There's basically only like four teams you think can actually win the finals. But, you know, I don't even like I don't like the idea of midseason tournaments. I don't like the idea of so many, basically every team has a chance to make the playoffs through this through all these new changes. You know what I mean? I don't know. Look, it's just. That this is the area I had, like we always say it, there's going to be lines culturally. We're 44 years old now. There's going to be things that are just not for us, Luke, right? Music, entertainment, whatever. The modern game is just not for me. When I play with the old guys once a week. Also, dude, I don't pick have and roll post up basketball. I've said this before. I don't have any idea how to dress anymore. I just wear MK merch. Cause I don't really know what to do. I don't, yeah. I don't know what, a, yeah. serious question. How is a 43 year old man supposed to dress? 
Well, I feel I like know. I have a better handle on that. I don't exercise that handle a lot, Luke, because it's more, it's just more casual now though. Like Luke, my kids wear sweatpants to school every single day. They've never worn a pair of jeans. Never, <laughs> never. Dude, my, my first high school in Georgia. So I went to Valdosta high for my first two years. That's where my brother graduated from that school. Even though it's a public high school, but that school had a rule. You could only wear pants. You could only wear pants. I mean, even if you look at like video from the 50s, the late 70s, like regular middle of the road people were wearing suits. You know what I'm saying? Like seriously, like it was yeah. just a different same thing with television broadcasting code. Now you, you know, you and I don't wear a tie most of the time. People are dressing casual. You ever see Brett Okamoto interview somebody? Look, look like he just got back from the gym, you know, but he's cooler than us, so he can pull it off, right? Because apparently he ain't, he ain't much cooler. Than, I mean, he's cooler than us, but he ain't much cooler than us. Let's be real. Well, be I, still, I don't know. Look, you know, see, you, I, you know, I used to hang out with that guy. I, you know, I vouch for him. You know, oh, You're I like, like I'm Brett. Not I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking bad about Brett in any capacity, but the idea that he's the king of the, the, the prom, you know, uh, maybe. Maybe better than us for sure, but you know. Can we get Yoana to reconsider? That's really my question. I don't care, truly. All right, morningcombat at gmail.com if you want to fan sub or dead wrong us. Um, you know, we're not perfect. We get things wrong. We say it when we're wrong, Luke, and we apologize for the most part. Sometimes we get all pri proud, prideful, and, you know, and then Luke's like, that guy shouldn't have a weapon. And then people are bringing politics into it. It's just fighting and dick jokes. Okay, guys. You know what I mean? It's music recommendations, fighting and dick jokes. That's the show. Okay. That's the and show. And complaining about aging because we can't, you know, but no, Luke, this is the time. Should I make a public declaration here? Follow us below on socials yep. and subscribe. Um, I got to turn this around. I got to get that liver in working order again. Okay. Yeah. Less friends. Because Luke, well, I know I need to see my friends more. I just need to not eat uh, what I what I tend to eat. Because Luke, I got a lot more to give to you, to my family, to this audience, to this camera right here, Luke. And I'm going to go the distance. Luke, they're going to have to physically remove me from the microphone in my mid-80s. It's going to get to that point. You're not going to make it to mid-80s. I'm going the distance. I'm, go I'm not going for speed, but I am. I'm going to. Hey, Tui. You know, like, you know, look, I'm going to be the last one standing. Yeah. We I, can call it a day. We can call it a day. Let's, I got even, that. In even, me. even Mikey wants to call it a day. We should. Call I got it that in me. You know what I mean? All right. All right, Mikey. Am I getting the uh, the uh, Apollo? Theater? The Apollo hook. Yeah. Yeah. The Apollo hook there. Uh, thank you to Mikey Mormile on the ones and twos. Remember, folks, Saturday evening. First of all, you can watch Luke and BC calling the preliminary action showtime boxing countdown begins at 6 30 p.m eastern on the showtime sports youtube channel of course tomorrow uh, saturday night 9 p.m eastern is the showtime championship boxing triple header you can get 30 days free now at showtime.com to try it out but later on in the evening after the conclusion of ufc 285 luke thomas and brian campbell yes hitting you up on the morning combat instant reaction from the studio from the studio. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Don't miss it. Catch up on all the great content you have missed by going to youtube.com slash morning combat, pregame previews, room service diaries, interviews with the biggest names. Uh, F around in there. You may be surprised. Uh, if you have any money left from Luke's live chat yesterday, then, you know, take your wife out or something. You know what I mean? It's, send a card to your mom, something like that. All right, there you go. Uh, Luke, do you have any final message to the people about how they can be better? Uh, you can listen, you can stop listening rather to Brian's ridiculous entreaties about, uh, and complaints rather about my live chat, uh, and then see us tomorrow post UFC 285 
right here, youtube.com slash morning combat. We're going to have instant reaction to the return of John Jones in studio. Be there. This is a big one. John Jones, serial gain. It's, it does. It goes down Saturday. Don't Surreal miss it. Surreal gain. So let's, let's bang, Tui. Uh, for Mike Mormile, Luke Thomas, and myself, take care of it. Take care of it up here, all right? Put yourself first in the right for the right reasons, all right? Don't be selfish. Wait, does that make any sense?